0: All right, 1 Kings chapter 3 this morning, 1 Kings chapter 3, kind of wrapping up this little group of messages we've done, a little series we've had called The Great Stories for the Old Testament. we just got a couple more we might look at. Today I want to talk to you about the wisdom of Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 3. And as always, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you there somewhere in the seat. We encourage you to take that. And use that, and if you need it, take it with you when you go as our gift to you. All right, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is dead, is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this, another great story from the Old Testament. And I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts now from it. May we see uh, exactly what you want us to see from this passage. May we respond exactly as you'd have us to respond. Help us to learn from the wisdom of Solomon. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, David, the greatest of Israel's kings, was dead. His son Solomon now reigned in his place. In the first mention of Solomon, which we noticed the last time we were were looking uh, at the story of David and Bathsheba, uh, right when he was born, we learned that the Lord loved him. That specific statement was said of Solomon in 2 Samuel chapter 12. The Lord loved him. And here now in this passage, we see that Solomon also loved the Lord. Verse number 3. And it's a description similar to that which is often afforded to David, who is described as a man after God's own heart. And so right off the bat, we see this defining characteristic of Solomon. He was a person who loved God. We also see something else. We see in verse number three that he was a person who walked in the statutes of his father David. Another defining characteristic of Solomon. Even before his prayer, he loved the law. He loved uh, the word and he strove to live by it. And so considering those two characteristics, even before we talk about his prayer or any of this other stuff that took place in here, considering those two characteristics, we see this man right from the start who was already wiser than most and who was already more equipped than most to rule over the Lord's people. Well, Solomon had a dream one night. And in that dream, God made him a startling offer. He said, ask, what shall I give you? What do you want from me, Solomon? Ask. Ask. Now folks, most of us when we read that passage we think wow that's pretty amazing that God would make such an offer. It makes us think of things like I dream of genie and stuff like that, genies in a bottle. But it's really not that amazing, is it? Isn't it pretty much the same thing that God says to all of us throughout his word? Ask to every Christian God says ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receive, he who seeks finds to him who knocks, it will be opened. To every believer, he promises, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 14 and verse 14. To each and every believer, he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. My life verse has carried me for my entire Christian life. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, Matthew twenty one twenty two. So it's not that unusual, is it, that God would say that to him? God, asked, or God said to Solomon, ask, what shall I give you? Well, I want us to consider that question, that offer this morning. I want us to consider that. I want us to consider what Solomon then did ask of God, how God answered and the results of it, the results of both the asking and the answering of that. And we're going to to tackle this passage like we've done several of the others in this Old Testament series. We're going to, first of all, ask ourselves what happened and kind of talk through the story. And then I want to make a little application from it as to how it applies to us. So let's talk about what happened First of all, it's pretty self-explanatory. There's not a lot of explanation necessary, but there's some interesting things here. The first thing that happened is Solomon made a selfless request in verses 6 through 9. If the offer God made to him was interesting and somewhat amazing, I think the answer, the response from Solomon is also amazing. First of all, I find it kind of intriguing that Solomon didn't take a lot of time to think about his answer. I mean, if, if somebody came to you with omnipotent power and offered you, ask, what, what do you want me to do for you? Wouldn't you have to scratch your head just a little bit? Wouldn't you think? Just a little bit? Well, I can't be adamant about it, but it seems to me when I look at verses 5 and 6 that uh, he responded immediately to the offer, that the answer was already there on the very tip of his tongue. It's possible there was a period there of time, but it doesn't say that in the, in the text, and, we, and we, we just don't see it. It seems to me. He must have already been thinking about this. How am I going to rule these people? What in the world am I going to do? Who in the world has the wisdom to do a thing like this? Since all this was taking place in a dream, it's probable that Solomon had already been praying about these things. He'd already been thinking about these things. And and it's most likely in my mind that it was those waking prayers that God was now addressing in this response in his dream. So that's interesting to me that he just, he had the answer right there. It's also interesting that Solomon was already demonstrating a pretty high level of wisdom and understanding. He was already wise and discerning enough to have a pretty good idea where wisdom comes from, to recognize that, uh, God's blessing on his father David's life had been a result of David's walking after God, his heart for God. We see that in verse number six. I thought about stopping there for a little bit, and preaching for a while on that. Maybe I will for just a second. It's interesting to me uh, the lesson that is there for fathers. Fathers ought to meditate on that a little bit, on 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 what it implies about a father's influence on his son. Solomon's love for God, his desire to serve God well, was no doubt at least in part to the influence of his father. And what he had observed in his father. In Proverbs chapter 4, he would write, When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me. Solomon credited his father's influence, his father's teaching. And much of what we see happening here in this chapter is a result of the influence of David in his life when he was young. Well, he demonstrated something else here. He demonstrated, uh, even before he prayed, he demonstrated humility. Look at verse number 7. He said, I am a little child. I am a little child. Now, in the literal sense, that was not true. It was not even remotely true. Uh, Solomon was about 20 when he took the throne. He had already been on the throne for at least a while. He had already been engaged in activities that let everyone know he was in control. You just look at the last verse of the previous chapter, chapter 2, verse 46. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. He was already savvy enough politically that he was already engaging in political alliances. The very first verse of chapter 3 talks about a marriage, a political marriage with the uh, Egyptians. And so he was already, uh, he was not a child. One source suggested he had already fathered his son, Rehoboam, by this time. He was fully a man, and yet he keenly felt his inexperience and his need for help. I think it's humility, and he humbly sought God's help with that. I am a child. And so he slept, and he dreamed, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you in verse 5? And Solomon's response in verse number 9 was just simply awesome. That's awesome. He asked for an understanding heart. And he asked for the ability to discern between good and evil. Now, we always say that Solomon asked for wisdom. And as a matter of fact, the the heading in my Bible here at the top of this chapter says Solomon requests wisdom. That's what we always think this is about. But did you see the word wisdom in there anywhere? That word wasn't used there. I, I actually even entitled the message today, the wisdom of Solomon. But the fact is it's not used here. It is used in the parallel passage in Second Chronicles chapter 1 and verse number 10, but not here. When God answered his request in verse number 12, he referenced wisdom, said he was giving him wisdom, a wise heart. But in verse number 9 here, where, where we have Solomon's actual wording of his request, it says something different. I, I, I think we all know it was wisdom that he sought, but the way it's described here is fascinating. The English Standard Version translates that phrase or or, or his request as an understanding mind. Give me an understanding mind. So understanding heart, understanding mind. The underlying Hebrew word refers to the inner man, to the mind, to the will, to the heart. All of those things together. So what is this understanding mind, this understanding heart that Solomon so desired? Well, let me share kind of a little technical thing. The word understanding there in the Hebrew has an interesting sense. It has the sense of listening or hearing. Therefore, some have suggested that the most accurate translation of his request would be, Give me a hearing heart. Give me a listening heart. Now, let that sink in for just a minute. A hearing heart. It intrigues me because it tells me he was asking for a heart that was tuned into God. He was asking for a heart that was listening to and hearing God. Now, again, we could could pause here for a moment and talk to the dads in the group for a little bit because you, you need to notice he probably learned that from his father's example too. David had prayed something very similar. He said in Psalm 119, verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. David had prayed that. And David had prayed for his son that he would have that. He would have a heart for God. Give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things. So Solomon asked for a hearing heart, a listening heart. And he made that request with a very specific goal in mind. Verse number nine to judge your people. He didn't ask for that just simply for his own benefit. He didn't ask for that uh, for personal enrichment or to somehow use for his own ends. But rather, so that, and only so that, he could more effectively serve God in the role God God had called him to. So the first thing we see here is Solomon made a selfless request. The second thing in verses 10 through 14 is God gave an over-the-top answer. God gave an over-the-top answer. Notice in verse number 10 that the Lord was pleased with Solomon's request. Notice also, in verse number 10, that he was just as pleased with what Solomon did not ask for. He did not ask for long life, or riches, or victories over his enemies. We can spend a lot of time on those three requests. God was pleased that, God, that Solomon did not ask for them. And the implication to me is, if, that's, if he didn't want Solomon to ask those things, he doesn't want us to ask those things either. Those are not the right kinds of of requests he doesn't want to hear that but as for me i trust in you O lord i say you are my god my times are in your hands psalm 31 verse 14 do we believe that you see if we really believe that and we really trust god and we believe that our times are in his hands then a prayer for long life is somewhat unnecessary isn't it the writer of Hebrews wrote, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13:5. Do we believe that? If we do and we live it, then there is no need for us to ask for riches. For we are content with what God chooses to give us. Not long ago, we read about David facing down the giant Goliath. And saying, all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. That's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. I always have to pause there for a while. The battle is the Lord's. He fights for us. Do we believe that? If we really believe God fights for us, then why would we ever have to ask for victory over our enemies? We already have it. He is the one fighting for us. But isn't it interesting that most of us spend an inordinate amount of time, praying for those kinds of requests that the Bible here says God was not pleased with or would not have been pleased with in so little time, praying for the request that he is pleased with. Well, God granted Solomon's request. He gave him the wise and understanding heart according to verse number 12, the hearing, the listening heart, the heart that was tuned into God as he had asked. And God went above and beyond that. He went over the top of that. And he gave him even the things he had not asked for. Verse 13, he said, I'm giving you riches and honor, long life. Verse number 14. At least he offered him long life. The riches and the honor were unconditional. And we continue to read about Solomon. If you read about him and continue on in First Kings and read about his life, you'll find that he did indeed have riches and honor. For the rest of his life, Solomon demonstrated the wise and understanding heart given here. He was fabulously wealthy. There's a description I should have looked at. I can't remember the reference. to. There's a description of the wealth that Solomon enjoyed, which is just mind-boggling, fabulously wealthy throughout the rest of his life. And wise, there's also a description I should have looked up that told of the number of proverbs that he had written and all of the, the great and, and, and wise things that he had done. All that continued until the end of his life for the most part. But that last part, toward the end of his life, he got distracted Married lots and lots and lots of wives, most of them political alliances like the first one we saw in the first chapter. He was uh, tripped up by a lot of that. A lot of them brought idolatry into his life, and he kind of drifted away toward the end. And, you know, I, I oftentimes wonder when I think about this. God said, if you stick with me, if you follow me, if you walk in my ways, I'll give you length of days. And I oftentimes wonder how much longer would he have lived? How much more would he have accomplished if he had just stayed true? To God. Well, so Solomon made a uh, selfless request. God gave an over the top response. And then Solomon gave a brilliant demonstration in verses 16 through 28. I don't think there's a lot of explanation I need to give you about this. It's pretty self explanatory what happened in this story. Two women brought an impossible case before the king. It was a her word against mine type of a situation. One woman had smothered her baby while they slept and then switched the babies while the other one slept so that it looked like the dead one was the others. No witnesses. Nobody in the house. No DNA evidence back then. Absolutely no way that anybody could possibly know other than the word of one versus the word of the other. No way to prove uh, what had happened in the darkness of that home between just those two women. No way that is except for the man to whom the Lord had given an understanding heart. And the ability to discern between good and evil. Solomon's method was genius. It's legendary. He took a sword. And in doing that, he discerned who was the true mother. And we see in there his understanding heart. He had an understanding now uh, that I don't know if he'd had it before, but he certainly had it now, into the realities of motherhood and, and human nature and those sorts of things. Keen insights into the love of a mother. Solomon's prayer had been answered. God had indeed given him an understanding heart. He would later write about the benefits of the wisdom that he received. He wrote that wisdom gave, that the wisdom God gave him made his face shine. I'm not sure what that means, other than perhaps it just meant it made him happy, made him rejoice. I'm not sure. I didn't spend a whole lot of time studying the phrase. But he said it made his face shine. It said He said it strengthened him. He said it was better to him than any weapons of war. Ecclesiastes 8.1, who is like a wise man and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine. Ecclesiastes 7.19, wisdom strengthens the wise, more than ten rulers of the city. Ecclesiastes 9.18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. So Solomon made a selfless request. God gave an over-the-top response and uh, Solomon gave a brilliant demonstration. That's what happened. So how can we apply that? How do we apply that to our lives? What is God saying to us from that? And there are probably many applications you can think of. You may be shouting some in your brain to me right now, but I want to concentrate on just one. Just one. I want you to imagine for a moment that God appeared to you in a dream and made a very similar statement to you and said, Ask what I shall give you. What would you ask for? just between you and God right now. I can't hear it. No sense lying to yourself. What would you ask for? What would you want if you could get anything from God? I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are some in this room here this morning who would say wealth. Or maybe, maybe some who have struggled with, 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 with want and need and never seem to have enough. And you think, I would ask, I would ask for wealth. I admit it, I would. Some perhaps would ask for success. Never really felt like you got the recognition you think you deserve. Some might perhaps ask for success. Some might ask for love. Maybe you've never had the relationships that you wanted to have. Maybe you've been lonely all your life. You'd ask for love. Some might ask for health. You know, when we're sick, when we're going through things, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we're in pain, some might ask for health. Some might ask for fame. The way so so many people idolize sports today, I can imagine some would ask for a body and athletic ability like LeBron James. I can imagine that some would ask that. The way some idolize wealth and business success today, put that at the very top of the list in some cases, I think some would ask maybe for the business acumen of a Bill Gates. What would you ask for? You see, this passage makes it clear, at least I think it makes it clear to me. I, I hope it makes it clear to you, too, that there's only one right answer. Only one. And it's the answer that Solomon gave. Our number one prayer request ought to be, Lord, give me an understanding heart, a listening heart, a hearing heart, that I might serve you better in whatever you choose for me to do. God, give me a heart that hears you, that listens to you. As as you speak to me through your glorious creation, God, help me to hear. As you speak to me from the pages of your written word, the Bible, as the Holy Spirit speaks from within, applying that truth to me, give me a heart to hear and to listen, a heart that is in tune with you. That's the only right answer. You see, I believe this little conversation between Solomon and God here demonstrates an important truth, and that's this. The heart that hears and listens to God is the only truly wise heart. The only one. It's the only way to truly succeed in whatever God has called you to do. It's the only way for you to reach, reach any kind of real success on any level. And you want that, right? I want that. Don't we want to succeed in the things God has called us to do? Don't we want to succeed, young people, in things like college and school? Don't we want to succeed in our chosen job or career in our marriages? We just had an uh, uh, Art of Marriage conference here a couple weeks ago that was just a, a wonderful thing. Don't we want to succeed in marriage, in family, in parenting? Nothing's harder than parenting. Nowhere in the world do we need it. understanding heart more than in parenting. How about in retirement? You know what most people like to do when they retire? Suddenly that's playtime. That's let's go run around and travel and do all kinds of things, and this is my time. But God has something for you to do during that time. Don't you want to succeed at that? I think what Solomon tells us here is if we want to succeed in any area of life, we need to pray for a listening heart, a hearing heart, a heart that is in tune with God and his will for our lives. My Bible tells me this, for The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding, Proverbs 2.6. Solomon wrote that, by the way. James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we need to pray for that. We need to leave all that other stuff out and just leave it to God. He'll take care of it. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You get that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Pray for that. Ask God for that understanding heart. Pray for it as of first importance in your life. And leave everything else you might think you need in his hands. And he'll take care of it, just as he did here for Solomon. I like what Matthew Henry wrote about this. I don't know if you've ever read Matthew Henry's commentaries. He's been around For a gazillion years, I think he wrote them in the 1700s or something like that. And so sometimes the language is dated and hard to read. But listen to what he said about this. He said, let us see here, number one, that the way to obtain spiritual blessings is to be importunate for them, to wrestle with God in prayer for them, as Solomon did for wisdom, asking that only as the one thing needful. And number two, that the way to obtain temporal blessings is to be indifferent to them. And to refer ourselves to God concerning them. Solomon had wisdom given him because he did ask it. And he had wealth given to him because he did not ask it. I just like that distinction. Well, some years after Solomon died, a prophet named Elijah came on the scene. In Elijah's day, a terrible famine occurred. People were starving to death. God sent Elijah to a town named Zarephath. Flip with me over just a few pages, if you still have your Bible open, to First Kings 17. I just want to read a couple verses about this story, and then we'll be done. God sent Elijah to a town named Zarephath. First Kings 17, verse number 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour and a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did, according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now I confess that whenever I read this story, one of my first uh, reactions to it is is kind of like, what? He is faced with this woman who is starving, who has just said to him that she only has enough food? For her son and herself, and barely that, she's going to get two sticks to cook this tiny little meal over. And then I go off the a quarter somewhere and curl up and die. And his response to that is, well, that's, that's cool. Make me something first. And, and, and every time I read this, the first thought that comes to my mind is, Elijah, I'd like to pop you right in the face. Because how could you be so uncaring? And how could you be so uh, whatever? I, I just don't quite get it. Until you think about it a little bit, you realize the point of that story is exactly the same as the point here in Solomon's story. If she put God's will first, all the other things would be taken care of. And they were. We read to the end of that story, and we find that when she did put God first, God took care of everything else. She never wanted for food again. The jar of oil never ran out. The flour never ran out. She ate all she needed from then on. God said to Solomon, ask What shall I give you? And Solomon answered, Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, a listening heart, a hearing heart, to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours. I pray this morning, may Solomon's prayer be our prayer, today and every day. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. Thank you for what we can learn from it. I pray as we wrap our service up with just a closing song that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, if there are those here today who have never trusted you as Savior, I pray that uh, right now the Holy Spirit will get hold of them to realize that the very first, first thing they need to listen to with any kind of a listening heart is the call of salvation. They need to turn their heart over to you. They need to hear you saying that uh, they are a sinner and they're in need of a Savior and Jesus is that Savior, and they can call upon you and be saved. Lord, if there's anybody today who's never done that, I pray they would. And yet, Father, the sermon, for the most part, has been directed at believers, and so I pray all of us would think about these things. Examine our own prayer life. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are we looking for an uh, an understanding heart above all other things, a heart that hears you, that listens for you? Uh, Lord, I pray we would be. So, Father, whatever the needs might be in these your people as we sing, I pray you'd speak to us if any need to come and pray or make decisions, either where they stand or here at this altar. Uh, help us to do that today. Give us all, even right now, listening hearts. May we hear you. May we respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.